and welcome to today's episode of World Class Agency Podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Warrell from Love to Move. I'm joined as ever by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, it's been a busy week. How are you feeling? It's been a busy week. Uh, exhausted, I think. Uh, we were just talking before this started that I woke up this morning uh, and I had every intention of finishing one of our episodes that I actually wasn't able to join. And the first thing I did was reply to an email and then I found myself it was two minutes to eight o'clock and I had a message from you with a zoom call and I thought, right, here we go. So yeah, it has been exhausting. <laughs> and, and, and I don't love the term busy because I reckon you can get caught up being busy doing just stuff that doesn't matter. Um, but I think, yeah, we've just found that we haven't wasted a moment in a while because uh, we haven't had any moments to waste, which is, which has been good, but it is draining at the same time because you're, you're, you're forever just moving from one thing to the other. Um, and I learned the other day from one of our uh, like senior developers that your brain burns more calories than anything else in your body. And that it's makes like me feel good because I've, yeah, well, it also makes me feel good because I've been eating the house down, like sitting three meters from my fridge. <laughs> it's just, I just sort of get up and I'm like, right, I've got six minutes till my next call. What am I going to do? And I go to the fridge <laughs> and I'm like, I can whip up like cheese and crackers and some olives really quickly here. Bang, let's do that. So yeah, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. Um, my running regime, as it has now become, almost accidentally, is uh, is going pretty well. I've got into running um, during lockdown. That's really sort of, I think it started to help me achieve. I think I, I think I probably mentioned to you, I get most frustrated um, when I don't feel like I'm achieving anything at work. Um, some days I come home and if I feel like I've not been very productive, I can be really grumpy. Um, and obviously, very little... Um, going on for us at the moment so obviously I wasn't getting that sort of accomplishment in my life but my running has um has sort of maybe not filled the gap but certainly helped um avoid so that's going really well um and then I've really enjoyed a lot of these podcasts so as I think you put out on social media putting these out one a day this week was my idea but I felt that um we'd recorded loads of really good content and it felt like um, people were in the mindset of now starting to think about preparing to come back. There's loads of value in all of the podcasts that we released this week. And hopefully people will get value out of us now, um, trying to sort of analyse them. We'll try and keep this fairly short, I think. Um, the others have been pretty short as well. I think that's worked, worked quite well. Um, so we started with Tony. Um, I was really excited mm. to, to get Tony on the show. I can't remember. Uh, I must have seen him talk, I think, when I was um, going through his website, potentially at one of the National Association um, events a couple of years ago. Um, and I think I must have been impressed because I was really excited because you booked him when, when he came on. I was really excited. And he certainly didn't disappoint, I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah, um, definitely one of the best podcasts we've had, I think. Um, and, and gave more than I think either of us expected. Um, I just, Definitely. you know, I think if, if that's the, if the message that Tony was sort of talking about of, you know, you're not there to sell, you're there to help is what he's talking about now, but actually what he talks about all the time, then hopefully like not only the people that work with him, but everyone who listens to the show or, or, or any agent out there who's actually just been able to only try and help people for the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. um, we'll, we'll take that moving forward because, you know, one of the, I reckon the core messages out of the six months of us doing this podcast and everyone's answer about what does world-class estate agency look like to you 
it has been about service and communication and being there before people need you. And I think Tony's, he was very structured in all the stuff that he told us and he, he walked us through his or something like that, you know, intro situation, what, what your property search is, DF finance and close them out for an appointment. But yeah. you can have structure and still have a conversation. You don't have to be so robotic. And I think that was the big point that Tony was getting across. And that becomes the training piece or the practice piece of it, um, doesn't it? You know, so you can have this structure, fantastic. Mm. And that's probably a really good way to start. So if anyone's not listened to that podcast, I would recommend you go back and, and have a listen and then take Tony up on his very kind offer to actually um, provide you with that structure. Um, I've been contacted by a couple of listeners who have, who have already done that and had, had that structure. And then I think build it into your training plan so that it doesn't mm. become robotic. So that's about... Um, role play or you know perhaps you might talk about uh, practice or script um, preparation however you term it with your team to get people to actually run through and, and practice those structures is really important so going back let's you know hope that agents take some of those ideas you don't have to use Tony's structure although it probably is not a bad idea to do so use a structure practice it and then practice makes perfect yeah I mean um there was a lot of points that he made and I'm, 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 I've sort of picked out the two that really mattered to me. Uh, and, and they might be the same as yours. They might not be, I'm not sure. But uh, the other one that I, I, it, it sort of made me stop and think that makes sense. And I think if you have that thought, it's probably a good thing. And that was when, when you are having those structured conversations, like stop thinking about them as qualification. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking to somebody who's rung into your office or you're talking to somebody at an evaluation appointment, any conversation, like stop qualifying people, mm -hmm. you know, be curious about them. We, we've just hired a few new people within home search and, and all the people that we've hired were the people that asked us more questions over the zoom interviews than we asked them, you yeah, know, because important. curiosity is a superpower and it shows just how interested you are in the other person. And that's what's going to make them go, this person values me this is important. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when Tony said stop qualifying and actually just be curious, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I also really liked his sort of analysis um, after the call. So again, you know, perhaps a training thing, you sit down um, as a group at the end of the day, two questions um, to ask, you know, what was the most I could have taken from that call? If you do it specifically, mm. or what was the most could taken from that day, and what did I take? I think you know, fairly simple, you know, uncomplicated questions to ask yourself. And if you, I bet if you got in the habit of asking those questions after every call, you know, thirty seconds after every single call you make, you would quickly improve um, your conversion rate or your closing rate, or maybe your curiosity rate. As we maybe should. Uh... That's not a bad score to keep count of. I reckon. You know, how many questions did you ask in that conversation? Like that's going to tell you. Like that'll the metrics there will will relate directly to conversion i reckon yeah yeah nice might be onto something there i reckon mm. um, teach ourselves stuff every day absolutely absolutely it's one of the reasons we do this right yeah um a really practical thing um before we move on from from tony's episode i thought um and i know we share the thoughts on this because you cringe sometimes when you're tapping away at your um computer in these in these pods but don't type away in the background have mm -hmm. a conversation, use a pen and paper. Um, now that you, some people might consider that old fashioned or then putting your notes on onto your CRM, a bit of a pain in the ass, but actually um, Tony was right in that you're having a conversation. It's not an interrogation. I think there's nothing more off putting than when you're on the phone to somebody and you can hear them typing into a computer in the background. 
Agreed. It, it does show that, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. Um, and, and perhaps it means that I need to be stopping this because I think you're right. It, it shows a little bit of a disconnect for actually hearing what they're saying, Yeah. you know, uh, or maybe you are just hearing what they're saying and you're not actually understanding it. And then you're not in the best position to capitalize on that and use your curiosity and ask the next question. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so, oh, well, look, we're learning, we're learning as, as we go, Sam. Um, I think so. I think normally we would probably have um, dissected Tony's podcast um, for a little bit longer because I was really grateful for his time, really grateful for the offer that he had to the listeners. And I thought there was so much um, value there, but we made a commitment to try and keep this podcast short. So Tuesday's episode, um, I'm going to have to be careful now that I don't get Louis and Lewis mixed up, but was, um, was with Louis from JLL. And I'm glad that you started that question by asking a gentleman who you called the king of client services, I think was your actual term. I'm glad you asked him about client services because I must admit it's not a term that I was overly familiar mm. with um, coming from, you know, coming from little Preston. I think it's more, it is more of a, of a London term, but it's basically prospect, yeah, yeah. Pro- basically prospecting. Yeah. It's, it's what every estate agent doesn't want to do, but knows is the most important thing in their business. Um, and I, when I first got here and, and I heard about like a client services team, I was like, what's that? And they were like, oh, they're the people that ring the database. And I was like, oh, so what agents do? And they were like, no, agents don't do that. They just take leads and, and then the, the, the valuations get booked in their diaries. And I was like, well, that's an easy job. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. That, client services guys, like they're the prospectors. They're the absolute machine behind it. Like there's no rocket science to why these big companies generate more business. Uh, than they may be able to handle at times. And it's because they have teams of people hitting the phones, you know, and they're hitting the phones in probably yeah. a less empathetic or less informed way than perhaps they should be. Um, but, you know, if you, if you put the activity that a client services team that Lou was talking about into the hands of a, like, for lack of a better word and to plug our show, a world-class independent agent, uh, no one's going to beat that agent, you know, because they're combining their knowledge and experience and charisma and their curiosity, if we go back to Tony's point, with the discipline of a client's services department, you know? Um, yeah, and I think, I think that was one of the big things that I, I took, took away there. He, you know, that term, the client services department, I think there probably is a lot of independents that have somebody doing that job, whether, Louis talked about it, whether it's an hour a day, a couple of hours a day, a few days a week, whatever it is. But he um, talked about it in sort of layman terms as basically generating instructions. Mm. So I'm sure there's loads of negotiators that listen. Well, <laughs> I hope there's loads that listen. I'm sure there's loads of negotiators um, up and down the country that are listening to that and thinking that's def- that definitely forms part of my job. Um, but there's loads of stuff that, um, that we gave within the interview to um, sort of help anyone that is in that job he talked about um splitting your database putting it into a hierarchy which i thought was a really good place to start and probably to start when you are going back so you're if you've if you've been furloughed maybe your client contact hasn't been um top of the list because mm. louis talked about it. It, it it always gets pushed to the bottom doesn't it you know mm-hmm. your prospecting and marketing always becomes the least urgent um thing and if we do have a bounce back and sort of the pent-up demand that people are talking about that's going to happen so it's a good time to 
make sure that you get it in the diary, get that discipline consistency, perhaps allocate this um, to some to somebody. They split the database and work at the low hanging fruit. Yeah, it seems, really, it seems really obvious. It is it is obvious, unfortunately, but it's not. It's really unsexy work, you know, because that's that that is what it is. It's that grunt work. It's that actual like everyone says that they uh, value relationships and everything like that, but most agents value relationships when they come to them, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not actually willing to pick up the phone and invest time in people for not that instant reward. Um, we we we've literally been talking about this exact point with with all of our guys about making unseen progress and about like understanding people more. Don't worry about getting a yes or getting a no or whatever it is, but genuinely learn about people and, and invest in the relationship because it, it's proven with us in anything, anything else that anyone's ever done successfully. Like good stuff takes time, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, one of the good things to come out of this situation is that agents are realizing that, you know, good stuff does take time and, yeah. and, there's, there's no instant gratification right now. So all you have is, is the chance to do all the good stuff that Louis talked about, you know, the harder you work, the better you do. You literally just find out what each of your clients want and you give it to them, you know? And he was saying like, if we do that, we probably give ourselves the best chance of winning all the business, you know? And it's a great way of building up your skills. If you're, if you don't make these phone calls, then you might sound a bit ummy and ari when the phone call comes into you. But if you're constantly having, similar conversations and you're learning about the challenges in your marketplace as a really good client services team does then every time someone rings you up and asks those you've got a story to tell you know and it's a true story and that's that that's good relationship building i think yeah absolutely he talked about the experience um being more and more important in in that role if you hear two screaming children in the background apologies but i'm sure everyone's been on a zoom call um, over the last five weeks where where that's happened i think one of the um big things that that i i took from from that and it relates directly back to what you just said about building relationships because this is how you how you build relationships louis answer um to our favorite question where he said world-class agency is understanding your client's aims mm. so you know going back again to tony's point you've got to be curious you've got to ask those questions to understand your client's aims and then working towards them so your point about patience is you're working towards them but maybe that isn't just in one phone call. Maybe that's a relationship that's built up over, you know, five weeks, 10 weeks, whatever, whatever it might be that you start to better understand and learn your client's aims. And then you work towards them. Um, it seems, you know, really, really easy to, to sort of say that probably easier to do it. And I think the big thing that, that, that we talked about was do it with consistency and do it with discipline. Yeah, I agreed. And, and that's probably the key takeaway for if, if let's talk less about client services and let's rename it prospecting. Cause that's really what Lou is good at, you know, yeah. and that's, that's his job is to make sure that he's running a team of really effective prospectors for JLL. And, and it is that it's, we need to be consistent, you know, because our job is to generate instructions for the business. And the only way you do that is to be consistent. And I think that was the overarching point that came through that, you know, is that prospecting comes first. It has to be consistent. Um, and then like if they do their job, right, they understand exactly what the client wants when they pass it over to the most relevant person who's next in line of the business. And, and that's all you can really ask for. Like that is world-class estate agency. Yeah. And the communication piece he talked about was communicate how they want. So it's talked about a phone call, always having a place, but nowadays, you know, I think you've got to be open and I think you've mm. got to ask those questions in, in the early 
um, conversations that you're having with clients. How do you want us to communicate with you? Is it mm. email? Is it WhatsApp? Okay, we, you know, our preferences for phone calls because we feel that we get the, the most out of it. But certainly, at, you know, stage one, stage two of those um, relationships, you need to be communicating using the method that they want and also in the sort of terminology that they want. So are they are they a fax guy or, you know, are they more touchy-feely? And I think um, you've got to be receptive to how your client wants to communicate and the sort of information that they want to hear as well. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. Okie dokie. Um, so if Louis was Tuesday, Lewis Thorogood from Hill and Clark was Thursday. Um, so you weren't able to join us. I said that maybe one of the reasons that you weren't able to join us is that you've taken on a monumental task of trying to build a portal in five weeks. Eight I think weeks. I might be wrong, but eight weeks. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think I said five. So, um, <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I understand your, uh, your pressure at the moment, mate, but the reason I asked Lewis onto the, um, pod, podcast so lewis works with us at love to move he um is kind of new to our to our network and i was having a chat with him um i had numerous really good chats with him i actually heard lewis on the estate agent podcast um maybe 18 months ago something daft like that um but he's a really forward thinker within within the estate agency industry i believe he mm. uh, hosts a video property show um for for his local um area i suppose and i was having a chat with him just about the market about how the market would be changing and he's very um open very straight talking guy and he had some really good um takeaways i i thought so he talked about the high high street changing um when this is all um finished and i think that's you know there's a very good chance that 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 will will um will happen but he also talked about the way that we do business changing so Mm. he's he's um fortunate that he's not been furloughed so he's still working but he's working very much more flexibly he talked about almost opening hours going out the window and having a much more customer focused um business than you know we've, we've ever had before so um there's going to be a new normal I think there's a lot of um, people that, that think to that. But one of the main reasons I got Lewis on was to talk about his idea of the, the you know, a chaos theory. So what do you think of this? Um, because I know that you've, you've listened to most of this podcast, but what do you think about his theory that when we come out of lockdown, it's going to be a little bit like chaos for um, the first couple of weeks. I know that um, there's a lot of feeling that there is pent up demand. David Cox from Arla um, was saying that the first Friday after lockdown is going to be the busiest um, day for lettings completions. He, re- he reckons ever. And um, do you think that there's going to be this um, sort of moments of madness that people, you know, taking massive action really, really quickly when we come out, Sam? Um, in their personal lives, I think, yes. I think everyone will drive to their parents' house, you know, or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, um, my wife is dying to see a mum. Yeah. Um, will people desperately decide to move house? No is my honest answer. Um, not in that first two weeks yeah. anyway. I think, I think like normal life will take a little bit of a while to, to get back into gear, um, but people will get back to work. It's going to be really weird for people to go – like like to their family's homes let alone go back to the office or do anything Mm -hmm. like that you know even taking public transport for people listening in london is going to be weird so um yeah i i think it'll be chaos but in different ways um and i think people will just be grateful that they have a mild amount of 
freedom and some safety left when maybe it's, and, and again, I know that there's people out there that probably don't live where I live, but it's still pretty tense when you go to the shops here in London, like everyone's two meters apart, everyone's wearing masks and gloves. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, you, you sort of, if you're walking down the same sidewalk with somebody, or if you're particularly like I go for a run around the streets and I have to run on the road because people will literally like stop and duck and go inside yeah, a, a garden or something like that. So it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether it's going to be chaos straight away. Um, I think that people will have made decisions what they want to do already. Um, yeah. They just won't action them in those first two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think there might be people because I know um, that my mum's taken calls for people who are already already taking that action. So I, I think there might be quite a lot of action and maybe mm. that's wish, wishful thinking or, or not, but um, yeah, it's might... all, they're all opinions. Like we'll see what happens. I, I'm hope like I'm, It'd be better for everybody if I'm wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's hope you're wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lewis, Lewis, Lewis talked about something. Um, so we recorded Lewis's uh, podcast on the 20th. So um, he talked about this quite early on. And I've seen a lot more stuff coming, coming out um, with various webinars and stuff at the moment about this. But he talked about having a back to work plan. And I think if anyone's not already put their back to work plan in place, it should be something that you give some serious consideration to over mm. the next week or so. because you know no matter what your opinion whether we might have different opinions on how busy it's going to be um lewis had a different opinion on you know sort of whether we'll be able to go back to work full time whether we're restricted all of this um but it doesn't necessarily matter if you build in your plan to be flexible and lewis talked about his plan being seven days build up seven days um sort of post release from from lockdown and Mm. the general consensus is that estate agents will be pretty um much one early of the doors. Uh, yeah early doors so he talked about having social media calls to action uh, amending your messaging so hopefully a lot of agents listening to this have been have amended their messaging over the last five and a half weeks um because if you've been talking about you know sell 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 then as i said before i think you'll get a bit of a cold shoulder and um, but amend that messaging again prepare the office for the team to come back that's really important you know those offices mm-hmm. are going to have been empty for for a long period of time um and then hopefully there's a lot of agents who have got people who have requested viewings over this period, requested valuations, get, get on with, with booking those in. And then um, Lewis, such great advice. It goes back to Louis's um, point. He just said, make calls mm. with empathy, talk about their motivation, hope, and then bring your staff back in bit by bit. So yeah. um, I thought that as a basic, you know, sort of structure to your, um, back to work plan was a really good place to start because i think if you as an agent don't do any sort of planning we get released from lockdown and then you say right okay everyone back to work you're going to spend a couple of days twiddling your twiddling your thumbs trying to sort all of this out which is probably something that you can be doing now um as the director of the business i think that that's all of that makes perfect sense um and it is a great plan for anybody doesn't matter your business size to replicate um because you your staff are going to be comfortable. Imagine if their first day back in the office, you're already there welcoming them with open arms. Maybe you don't give them a hug <laughs> just in case, but you know, a little elbow bump or something like that. Um, but then you say to them, right, here's the plan for the next week. You know, yeah. this is what we want to talk about. We want to just make sure like, how's everything going is, is life. And I imagine you're on stage and you pick up the phone. You're like, we're back at work. But I just want to check is life still normal for you? Because if you need us to drop your milk around or whatever, we can do that now, you yeah. know, instead of, Hey, was lockdown so shit you want to sell your house? <laughs> I think there's, there's different messaging. And, and if you're, you know, Lewis sounds like a good boss. 
you know, I feel like he's going to do pretty well after at the back end of this. Yeah. And, and anyone else that's listening should be doing that. Well. Direct your people, help them be curious, give them structure. Yeah, it was, I am going to listen to the rest of that. It probably just won't be till tomorrow. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, ho- I'm hoping he's not listening. Well, no, I, ho- I think he will be listening, but um, I'm sure I'm sure he won't mind it. it. Only went out a couple of days ago, Sam. So um, one thing that Lewis also talked about which we're going to go on and talk um, about, I hope, with Lisa. Um, and it's something that I've um, been talking about with members of my team for a little while now, is um, that as estate agents, we almost need to be presenters now. There is so much on social media. Lewis mm. um, has obviously successfully um, grown his property show. I think on average he gets like 12,000 views on Facebook wow. now. Um, but he's successfully grown that. And he considers himself now a presenter. And Lisa Novak said that um, she was part um, presenter, part estate agent. And I think if you're trying to sort of stop um, that presenter um, role from happening, if you're not careful, someone in your area is going to take over and be your local presenter. So I think, you know, people have to now accept that as estate agent, you're going to have to present in some form or another, um, probably video. Yeah, I agree. We, everyone talks about being the digital mayor and becoming a media company. There is a lot of noise out there now. Um, we had a, a chat ourselves the other day about making sure that, that we try and contribute more uh, and actually probably doing less and actually focusing on more relevant messaging rather than just slapping shit all over the internet um, because I think there's a danger. So it would be, and, and whether Lewis talked about this or not, I'm sure he does it. It's understand what your market wants from you and deliver that don't just deliver what you as an agent thinks is worthwhile because you're, then you're just going to be that white noise and people will end up unfollowing you instead of following you. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you ask for feedback as, as you're doing that. And if you do, and I think, you know, there's a um, responsibility almost as well if, to, to give feedback if other people are asking about it as well. Um, one of the ways Lewis um, does that is by engaging with the local businesses. Um, mm. And so it's, it's very much a local business show with, property information integrated into it um, and then it's just about building the momentum which again moving over to Lisa now is exactly what she talked about um, towards the end of, of her interview which was very kind to give us after I completely messed up the timings apparently it's not the same time in Australia that it is in the UK did you know so, <laughs> um, so she talked about um, having six months of decent content um, and the consistency again that word um, came up Lewis actually talked about six months as well um, so I think you've got to be prepared that you've got to put it in for a period of time um, before you start to then you know gain a little bit more success which I think to be fair we've probably started to see with this podcast um, people when I had the idea of starting the pod talked about a year um, to get some some traction we've now been doing it what do we reckon nine months something like that yeah Um, and i think we probably start to saw a bit of consistency our um, performance is hopefully improving after about six months so that all helps but perhaps to give people a bit of an idea if you're only going to try something um whether it's video whether it's um doing some of the stuff that we're going to talk about with lisa if you're only going to try it for a couple months then you probably might as well not bother because it's going to take six months to actually um get some real good results exactly i think and that that was the point that we took away from that is that Lisa works hard, <laughs> very hard, you know, um, and I hope Lisa takes this the right way, but she just does what's needed. You know, she, she makes sure she connects with people. She understands them. If we go right back to Tony's point at the start of the podcast, she connects with them. She's curious. And then she delivers that content and then she's built herself a following of people who expect to see 
the shit that she's selling on Facebook before she puts it on realestate.com.au. Yeah. So, you know, for, for everything else that's going on in the world, she's actually showing a really good way of, of perhaps listing and selling property or listing and letting property without using those big machines. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, not an intentional plug for home search, but one that came up um, as part of it. And actually, um, Lewis, I know, is using Lisa's three-minute um, appraisal really well because I've spoken to him about it. But um, her three-minute appraisal, completed remotely by text message, it's effectively a lead magnet. Um, yeah. You could plug in your um, sort of tool to use yeah. that. There are there are there are others as as well, of course, but providing a report and an estimation of value to people within three minutes that's a really good service that if you are if you are almost not even talking about selling your house with your other half you might do that just to start that conversation and that's the whole point like aussie real estate agents aren't necessarily concerned with who wants to sell now they're building their database you know so yeah. they can go and they can prove to people that they're not full of it over the long term that's a great way to do that you know and that's where the focus needs needs to be for, for agents on this side of the world now is like learn and know more people, you know, and then service them, yeah. put them into your communities, build a Facebook community if you want to. Um, but just have them in your CRM and communicate with them over and over again, send them that three minute SMS every six months for the rest of their natural born lives. And you will get more opportunities to do business with them than you won't. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought Lisa was great. Um, you know, I, I really liked um, her, zero dollar marketing strategy which i've written down here is zero pound marketing strategy that's a real unique point of difference we, we, i was speaking to people like i wrote an email this week about don't just go and improve on on what you were doing think about how you can do things differently and if you're sitting in a valuation you know or genuinely an instruction presentation because thinking about them that way instead of evaluation because you're not actually there to to give them a price you're there to list their property and Yep. saying to them, it's just like, actually, before we get into the finer details of everything, I want to talk to you about my zero pound marketing strategy, you know, and everyone's going to be like, what does that mean? You know, and, <laughs> and someone like Lewis might be in a really good place to offer that because he gets 12,000 views on his Facebook every week. So he could implement that like this, you know? Um, and that's, that's really doing stuff differently. Like I'd never heard that before. And I wrote that down because I was like, I'm going to like say that three times and pretend it's my own when I'm talking to people, in my conversations, because You've I think it's such a great idea. Yeah, exactly. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I, um, I and she did that by building that track, building that track. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It was, it was a good podcast. Um, you know, I think her overarching message was just, you know, find out what people want, give it to them and give it to them as fast as possible. And the rest kind of takes care of itself. That was exactly it. But very, very, very straightforward. There, Sam, that's exactly what she said. She used the Uber example, which is something that we've talked about um, within our business loads and loads. Um, client expectations have changed. So that time period that they're willing to wait is no longer um, the same. So give them what they want, give it them fast, which if you can't do it in three minutes, do it in 10, do it in 15, whatever, whatever it is. Um, so do you think then that you could operate a zero dollar, zero pound marketing strategy successful in the UK? So before you hit the portals, maybe, do you offer that as a cheaper? Because for anybody who doesn't understand, of course, the big difference in the UK to Australia is that the vendors pay for their marketing. Mm. Um, yeah, certainly you could. I mean, technically every strategy right now for a seller or a landlord in the UK is, is zero pound uh, because the agent takes on all that risk and liability. Yeah. Um, that's another conversation that we should have about 
how agents should start charging for some marketing. You know, even if it's a nominal fee like 99 pounds or 199 quid, you would sort out the people who don't really want to move for the people that do. And that would be good for your bottom line. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be offering it and I'd be talking to them and I'd be saying like, we have an audience that we yeah. can reach and we can put it here first and they're engaged or like a zero pound marketing strategy is just a better way of saying we'll match it to our database. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, it, and if you give something a term like that, yeah. then it's you not it. just, it's yours. It's, yeah. It's not just, Oh, we ring it out to our database, for example, mm. you know, maybe it becomes step one of our marketing strategy or whatever, but the fact that you've given it a name, put it into a strategy is probably something superior to your yeah. um, competition on well, that. Or, or you say like, actually for the first week, we're going to open up to every other agent in our town and we'll offer a fee split on it as well, which is why our fees are quite high for like the first month of our marketing because actually Mr. and Mrs. Vendor or whatever it is, to make sure you get the best price, we need everybody looking at it and we actually need the agents who are invested in their relationships to bring people through the door. And people are going to go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I will instruct you. And if you get a result, split your fee, put your fee up to do it. If you don't get a result, then your fee comes down to what you were usually doing and you follow your process as it is. There's so many yeah. different ways you can be genuinely thinking differently now. And I think now's the time to do it because whatever the good ones do now will become the normal. And then yeah. you'll either be part of that or you'll be really behind. And then you'll just be trying to be like everybody else again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. On on one of the points that you talked about there about the zero dollar um, marketing strategy and um, sort of, separating the motivated buyers from the demotivated buyers it's a point that we talk about an awful lot in our business so obviously love to move our online service you pay you pay up front so some people say some mistakes say well why would anybody pay up front to sell a house but actually if you think about it you talked about it in exactly the right context as estate agents we're taking all the risk if we're not getting paid up front you can sell a house and someone can enter around and say, oh, do you know what? I don't actually want to move. How much does that cost you as a business? Presumably you're making money on the, whatever you charge, one and a half percent. But if you're doing it at a fixed fee and they're paying you at the back end and you're not no sale, you know, if you promote yourself as a no sale, no fee agent, you could do all the hard work. Say it could be 26 weeks, half a year of graft. And then people, decide right at the back end oh actually do you know what i don't want to move i've not found anything um yep. so let's you know let's actually start to charge maybe it might be a tiny little bit up front for those marketing fees because actually you, you're exactly right there's a there's an awful lot that um to be said that actually successful sellers are paying for people who just want to test the market yeah cool um hopefully our rundown hasn't gone on too long um i think we've kept it to about half an hour which is what mm. we wanted to to try and do a little bit different this week releasing um an episode a day hopefully that's been of use thank thank you massively to all our our four guests tony morris lewis goldney Sid, sidley is it is that his name yeah uh, sydney sidley yeah sidley yeah. <laughs> all these australians uh, lewis thorogood and uh, lisa novak uh, i've been mark Warrell. he's been sam hunter thank you very much for listening and um, if you've enjoyed this week please drop us a message share what we do on on social media and we'll be back to our normal schedule with releasing an episode on tuesday next week thanks for listening